Hello there, and welcome to another fun-filled episode of Syracuse Sports, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. I'm Brent Axe. You're you. We're so glad you're here. And how are you here? Are you watching on YouTube and looking at this glorious set behind me here? Bruce Springsteen staring into your soul. That's awesome. Are you listening on Spotify or Apple or your preferred podcast service? That's great, too. Make sure you subscribe, follow. You don't have to worry about it. You just hit the button. It's there. When a new episode is up, boom, you get the notification and you're set and you can listen to it whenever you want. So however you're taking in Syracuse Sports today, presented by Krause Health, we are thankful for that. You know who else we are thankful for, ladies and gentlemen, our Syracuse Sports Insiders, because you guys are the best. And we would love for you to be a part of our growing tight-knit community of Syracuse sports fans that here's what you get. You get text messages from me when I have breaking news. You get my inside opinion analysis first, right? I'm in the locker room the other night, Judah Mintz talking to him after Syracuse beat Virginia Tech, and I asked Judah, hey, could this have been your last home game? And he kind of laughed and was honest in his answer about what he said, that he has thought about it, and well, see, this is the thing as a Syracuse Sports Insider. You already know what I'm talking about because you got that text as soon as I walked out of the locker room. You can ask me questions anytime. When we record this podcast, like our guest today, our Syracuse Sports Insiders get a heads up. Hey, we're talking to fill-in-the-blank guest. We're doing this show. We want your questions, your opinions, your insight on this. We did an Axe Brent Anything episode of Syracuse Sports. Your questions were amazing, and th- those were exclusive from our Syracuse Sports Insiders. So come on in. Be a part of the Syracuse Sports Insider community, and you can become a Syracuse Sports Insider by texting the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. It's that simple. You sign up. Here's a cool thing about it, too, guys. You can try it for you for two weeks. See what we're doing. See what we're sending you. Ask me some questions. See if this is something you want to do. Try it free, two weeks. No harm, no foul either way, but if you want to stick around, and most of you have been, which we are so thankful for, then it's just $3.99 a month after that. So thank you to our Syracuse Sports Insiders who asked a lot of great questions for our guest today, and that is Kelly Gramlich, who is just one of my favorite people on planet Earth, frankly. Kelly is a ACC Network college basketball analyst. Kelly is part of the Gramlich and McLean podcast that she does with former Clemson offensive lineman, now ACC Network analyst as well, Eric McLean. They do an amazing job talking all things ACC football. They have a kind of laser focus on ACC football. They do some other things, certainly in the podcast. I've been fortunate to be a guest on their podcast a number of times. Kelly and I used to talk on the radio all the time. Kelly used to do a radio program herself on 105.5 The Roar, my favorite radio station name in the country. And now she is just her star has risen. She's on the ACC Network calling games. And I, I is becoming, to me, one of the go-to voices in women's college basketball and analyzing the sport. And that is certainly what we spent most of our time on today. Kelly's perspective on Deja Fair, on Syracuse women's basketball, their path through the NCAA tournament, their successes, what could hold them back. Is she going to vote for Coach Jack? ACC coach of the year all that to come 
But I also wanted to get Kelly's perspective on and having all these conversations with people through the offseason and kind of reviewing last year in college football and starting to turn the page to 2024. What are some of the things that she has heard from people that cover all manners of football in the ACC that have really popped? And I wanted to get her impression on just the Fran Brown train that is uh, toot toot roaring through Syracuse and her impressions on Syracuse really just on the radar. You talk ACC football, frankly, you talk college football nationally, and Fran Brown's knocking on that door. So we talked about all that with Kelly. She was amazing, and I want to thank our Syracuse Sports Insiders for their perspective on this. I did mention we did an Axe Brent Anything podcast. If you hadn't had a chance to check that out, fueled by our Syracuse Sports Insiders and their great questions, please check that out. We've got some other good stuff coming for you on Syracuse Sports. Patrick Stevens, bracketologist this week, breaking down the path for Syracuse men's basketball to March Madness. Is there one? What is it? The net rankings, the tournament itself. We had a lot of fun just breaking down the net rankings, the tournament bracketology, not just from a Syracuse perspective. Why is the ACC only getting five teams where the Big 12's getting nine, and how does that break down? There's no one I trust more when it comes to bracketology than Patrick Stevens. That's coming up. My friend, four-time All-American, one hell of an American, Rick Beardsley on Syracuse Lacrosse. We've got our Syracuse post-game show coming up Saturday after the Orange take on Louisville. If you didn't get a chance to hear our Virginia Tech breakdown and Judah Mintz, 29 points, pretty much leading the charge for the Orange. It's all there for you. See, it goes back to what I said a minute ago. If you follow, if you subscribe to Syracuse Sports on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple, whatever the case may be, you can catch up on this whenever you want. You won't miss a thing, my friend. So please do that. For now, let us get some great college basketball and football insight from the great Kelly Gramlich of Kelly, the ACC it's a Network. pleasure to have you on this podcast. Pod. You and Eric have been so gracious to allow me on your podcast a few times. We just did it recently going over this insane Syracuse football offseason, which has not stopped from the moment Fran Brown has walked onto campus. So we're going to get into football and discuss some things that you guys have heard on your podcast in that realm. But we've got to start with Syracuse women's basketball. And as you know, Kelly, any conversation about that team starts and ends and everything in between with DeAsia Fair. I, I just want to get your perspective, having called some Syracuse games and following this, of course. How do you describe what kind of player she is? Whew. Well, first of all, Brent, thank you for having me. Um, go listen to Brent on our pod. He was awesome. And as I say many times on that podcast, I would listen to Brent read the phone book. Because <laughs> uh, Quick note on that. Microphone. Quick note on that, Kelly. I actually, in this office, looked for a phone book <laughs> to just, read to, to me. <laughs> just to read to you. And I, it's gone. Like It's yeah. a relic of the past. I don't even have an old one. So uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't find that for you. Well, even if, I don't know your your demographics, I assume there aren't many Gen Z or high school listeners just because they maybe aren't, you know, into that, but they probably don't even want a phone book yet. Exactly, so yeah. They're like, what are you guys talking about? 100%. Um, <laughs> okay, DeAsia Fair. She, she's incredible. She's incredible. And I mean, she's the fifth all-time leading scorer in the history of the sport. And I think people also need to remember, this is why I've been shouting this from the rooftops, she has played 149 games she just passed Brittany Griner, who played 148. So we have to remember that, yes, yeah, she's a fifth year, but COVID took games away from these players. And, of course, Griner played deep into March every year, so there's that. But um, I think she's one of the best pure scorers 
I've ever seen, especially at her size. She is all of five foot five. I mean, she is not a big player and she plays with that chip on her shoulder. You can tell that she's been told she's too small her whole life. And she says, no, I'm not. And she can get her own shot whenever she wants. One thing I've been noticing about her in that Virginia game I called, she's so clutch, right? She averages nearly nine points per fourth quarter, which is crazy. But she could look at a player. She could look at her defender and say, I'm going to go get a shot from the left elbow. And then she could go do it because of the way she elevates at her size. When she dribbles, watch her next time you're, you know, you're watching her play. When she's attacking, she, she gets to a spot and she's not even looking at the rim. She gets to her spot and then she elevates and scores. And that's a unique aspect in the women's game. She shoots the three really well, which adds to her being so hard to guard because she can get past you at any moment, but also can really hit the three. Great free throw shooter. Also an underrated passer. Averaging nearly four assists per game as well. I just think she's special. And I've heard Coach Jack talk about she's from Rochester. And basically, it was her and the Rochester Institute of Technology. Is that that's That's right? Yeah. Those two. That's it. Those are the only only coaches that were watching DeAsia Fair. And Coach Jack told stories about at AAU tournament. She would just be following DeAsia Fair two games. At one point, DeAsia Fair was concerned. She was like, why is this person following? <laughs> and Coach Jack is like, no, 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 this is kind of how it works. Like, I just really want you to come play for my school. So Coach Jack, founder, obviously had, they have an incredible relationship and she has molded her into what she is. And people forget too, when Coach Jack took Syracuse job, DeAsia Fair, two years of eligibility, leaving Buffalo. She could have gone anywhere. She mm-hmm. visited South Carolina. Like South Carolina wanted her. She could have gone anywhere and she chose to stay with coach Jack. And now she has Syracuse um, as a already clinching a double buy in the ACC has turned that program around. So she's phenomenal. I, I think that's just the way to describe her. Kelly, the mechanics of her shot are fascinating to me. And I'm going to make a comparison here. You tell me if I'm crazy. Okay. It's almost like how Russell Wilson has to throw the football. Mm. Russell Wilson's a shorter quarterback. So he's got to kind of arc the ball over the defense. When I watch DeAsia shoot, it also reminds me of the, the, the legendary, speaking of things that younger viewers would probably not re- recognize, go go YouTube it. There was a great Nintendo game called Double Dribble. I don't know okay. if you remember Double Dribble. I'm not okay. sure I know this one, Brent. Old school, 8-bit okay. Nintendo game. And when you shot a three-pointer in Double Dribble, it would make this noise when the ball was traveling to the hoop. And I'm going to do my bad impression of it. It was just like... every time deja shoots i hear that noise because it just rainbows to the hoop and i don't care how tall you are how you defend her you don't have a shot Mm -hmm. for someone who's five five and is difficult to defend like take me through the mechanics of that how does she do that well that's what makes her so difficult to guard and i think it's two things it's she really elevates on her shot which that's something the greatest players in the women's game if you really watch for it they're the ones that can elevate the most on their shot because for a lot of women it's really hard to do like you're just sometimes you're not strong enough and you see even great some great shooters are more set shooters like i personally was more of a set shooter i needed to run off a screen and get open that way be able to set my feet and get it off really quickly but she can elevate And that's a different level. And that's why she can get her shot so well off the dribble because she can get to a spot, get to a spot that she likes and elevate 
And, and that's a huge aspect for her because she's five, five. And then she does put a good amount of arc on her shot. Like she understands, right? She's not living in a world where she's not five, five, like she understands that. And so she can get her shot off and she does a really good job of creating space as well. She does the thing where she's behind the three point line and I call it, she's just kind of playing with the defender, right? Mm. She's playing with her. And then she can step back to create enough space and elevate and hit the three, which again, very difficult to do. And we say this affectionately in the women's game about certain players that they play like a guy. And we say that affectionately because that means you have the athletic ability to elevate over people, to step back and create space that, and it's actually becoming much more common, but that your average female women's player might not have. And obviously DH affairs is way uh, way above average. And I think the other aspect for her is she's just flat out clutch. Like there's no other, and that's something she's born with. I think the ice in her veins, she stays like this the whole game, which I really like about her too. She really never gets too high or too low. She could have 35 and she looks the same as if she's going two for 11 from three. I think that's a huge factor in her success. And I think it allows Syracuse to stay calm as well as a team, but like I said earlier, averaging nearly nine points per fourth quarter is crazy. And so when it comes to winning time, DH Fair is going to make plays. Like her her stats and, and what she's done have shown that. Yeah, and we saw that just recently in the Pittsburgh game. And we've come to the point where Deja has trained us for that. You know, that yeah. pit game goes to the fourth quarter. They're down 49-41. Mm. Everybody watching that game is expecting it. I, I tweeted the screenshot of it. It's just Deja Fair three, Deja Fair free throw. And you mentioned the nine yeah. points. She's the reason why this team is never out of it. They've had to make a lot of fourth quarter comebacks, which I want to get into, yes. Kelly. But when you have a player like that, if you're going to pick a time for your best player to be on, it's in that moment. And it's funny what you said about how, you know, straight face she is the whole time. Like Coach Jack and, and her teammates and fans have been encouraging her to kind of enjoy the moment. Yeah. Her senior day the other day, getting to fifth place in the all time mark. And, yeah. You see a little clues of it. She's put some things on social media that she's actually maybe starting to crack and enjoy a little bit of this, but they're also determined to make a strong tournament run. And, and that's what I'm wondering about, Kelly. The good news is they've got that fourth quarter clutch gene led by DeAsia. The bad news is there's three other quarters. And if you get in too deep of a hole in the tournament, it can cost you. So from what you've seen from this team, how can they be successful in March and what could hold them back? Yeah, great question. And so I was pulling up the latest Charlie Cream bracketology, uh, the latest thing that he sent out. And Syracuse, he has them right now basically as at number 18. So right off the four line, Utah's above them, K-State's at 16, Indiana 15. You have NC State as a three seed, Virginia Tech as a two seed. And then you have Notre Dame also right there um, trying to get a four spot. And of course, those two, uh, Syracuse swept the series. So that's huge for that tiebreaker. Um, So I think it's really important, and I think if they continue to play well, win at least a game in the ACC tournament, they will have a very good chance to get that top four seed. I think they're deserving of it. The the one thing maybe holding them back is they don't necessarily have like a massive non-con win. They beat Alabama, which is a good win, but not great. When you compare that to Kansas State has a win over Iowa. So that's huge for Kansas State. But if they can get in the top four, then you're hosting in the women's game, which is massive. And I'm starting to see some fans really show up in the Carrier Dome, Brent. That's awesome. I love to see that for this women's team. I think it'll be a great crowd if they get to host. So you feel great being able to get to the Sweet 16 if you're hosting 
and you have Deja Fair. I mean, that's that's pretty clutch if you can host. And I'm going to add to that, Kelly. Mm-hmm. The regionals in Albany. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, the regionals in Albany. Now, the other if they're regional, in that bracket, yeah. they've got to be the on that side of the bracket. In Portland. Exactly. Would just yeah. be an absolute disservice if they send Syracuse to Portland, but we'll see. Um, you never know. That's Wouldn't doubt it. Two further away places, but that would be massive as well. And here's the thing. The two things I really like about Syracuse when it comes to March, DeAsia Fair and what I've always said, I think you see this on the men's game as well. Think back to some of those great Syracuse men's teams. If you have a guard that can go get you a bucket, that can take over a game, and that can play really well down the stretch, you can advance in March. I think guard play, personally, is the key to March. And Syracuse has that. And George Woolley, by the way, has been playing really, really well. So you have, I affectionately call her, the Robin to DeAsia Fair's Batman. And then the other thing I love about Syracuse is they rebound the heck out of the basketball. And that is so important. The great Pat Summit used to say that um, offense sells tickets, defense wins games, and rebounding wins championships. And Mm. I completely agree with that. This team has been so good on the glass. Coach Jack has shored that up from last year. They lack some depth. They lack some size. Alyssa Latham, the big-time freshman, has been a huge addition for this team. You have Vera Zhao that adds size. And then I really like what Kyra Wood has done um, inside for this team and Wilson as well. So you have good depth, too, which Syracuse didn't have as much depth as they do now. So the depth, the rebounding, DeAsia Fair, and if you can host, then Syracuse has a great chance to make a, a big run. Kelly, we could do an entire podcast on Coach Jack and the job she's done here, the infectious energy she brings, and she's got a heck of a story this year overcoming a health issue, and she's out there doing her thing. But I just want to ask you simply, is she the coach of the year in the ACC? Yeah, so this is interesting because a week ago, this was before they lost to Duke, and that that Duke's a tough team, all right? I think Duke is really good. I'm not sure I see, I've seen a team play harder defensively than Duke. Like, they just flat out get after it. They really so that, do. So that's a tough team to, to play. So I think I'm going to take my vote down to the wire between Felicia Leggett-Jack and Kenny Brooks. It's those two. And, you know, it's the age-old debate, right? Do you give it to the coach that has done the most with the least or has overachieved, or do you give it to the coach that had the really high expectations and then has met them? It, you can't lose either way. I think right now I am leaning to Felicia just because this was a team picked ninth. Mm-hmm. This was a team that nobody thought was probably going to make the tournament. Like I thought they would be a solid bubble team with a chance to get in. They were bubble team last year and they lost some games down the stretch that did not enable them to get in. But the way she's brought in some different pieces to really complement DeAsia Fair, I thought Latham picking her up and her being able to play so much right away as a freshman is awesome and, and was a big credit to coach Jack. And then it's tough to, at times to build a team around such a high volume score. Like you, that is a that is coaching. You have to find players that are willing to play in that system that complement her well, and then you have to coach DeAsia in basically how to be a great leader while also taking a bunch of shots. So that's coaching, and and what Coach Jack has done is phenomenal. And then of course you add in fighting through her own personal health stuff, which maybe shouldn't factor into that, but I think is tremendous. And then what Kenny Brooks has done is also tremendous. Like he lost three key players from last year's run. He brought in some pieces and has had to twink with that or to to um, tinker with that lineup, figure it out. And 
they're playing just phenomenal basketball. So you can't go wrong either way. I think I'm going to reserve the right to say we have two more regular season games and I don't have to vote until the third. So I'm going to wait to do that (laughs) and uh, I'll make my decision at the end, but it's going to be really tough. I don't know if this will influence your decision, but uh, I think some Syracuse fans might start campaigning a little bit. Oh, I've seen it on Twitter. I was going to say, you've probably already seen it in your mentions. So just, you know, everybody be nice when, when you, when you at Kelly and, and, and make your pitch, but we'll see it come down to the, but I also appreciate the passion, you know, I love that. And that's what I love to see. And that, and that kind of leads me to my next thing, Kelly. Look, I am somewhat biased in the sense that Syracuse is going to be in the NCAA tournament this year. Oh, for sure. They may be the only Syracuse team in and the men's team's Mm -hmm. starting to kick it into gear here and maybe they sneak in. But if particularly they're a home team and just all the elements we're talking about here. So having a team that you can engage with in the tournament adds to this, Mm -hmm. but I am flat out looking forward more to the women's tournament this year than the men's tournament. And I can't ever say that that's been the case. And look, the NCAA men's tournament has been so embedded with brackets and, you know, the office pool and everything, but I just love the progress that there's been a lot they've had to overcome, which they shouldn't, frankly, like the facility story from yeah. a couple of years ago. But the women's game itself, but the NCAA tournament itself, I feel like is going to have a huge moment here. Obviously, Caitlin Clark fuels a lot of that. But I just want to get your perspective as not only an analyst now, but a former player. And just it, it feels like we're going to set all kinds of records with the NCAA women's tournament this year. It really does feel that way. And I'm so excited. And I think that what you're feeling about being more excited about the women's than the men's is something that we're seeing a good bit of. And, you know, the men's product, I think, has suffered a bit with in this portal era where the men, it seems, the women still use the portal, but it feels like it's just a lot more prevalent in men's basketball. You have the one-and-done situation, which is more than just Duke and Kentucky. I mean, you have guys who will play a year, realize they could be a first-round pick and go, and I – how could you blame them, right? That's you want to go and, and be able to capitalize on, on your ability, but that's hurt the men's game. And then I think, you know, we've seen these massive coaches retire and that's hurt the men's game. No coach K, no Jim Beheim, no Roy Williams, no Jay Wright at Villanova. Like these are massive names that people used to tune in to watch and they're not there. Whereas on the women's side, not only do we have massive names from a player perspective, you're tuning in to see Don Staley. You're tuning in to see Kim Mulkey and whatever the hell she's going to wear <laughs> in that game, right? You still have Gino. You still have Tara Vanderbilt. You have Lisa Bluter. You have Kenny Brooks, Neil Ivey, uh, Jeff Walls, who's always entertaining to watch on the sidelines. For so sure. You have all these big names from a coaching perspective that I think has helped. And then you have the players. And look, I am not someone who's saying people are finally realizing, like, I think Caitlin Clark has played a huge role in this. And I'm, I'm not naive enough to say she hasn't. She's incredible. Like my father-in-law, for example, is a generally has only watched men's basketball in his life. He is watching now because of Caitlin Clark. Like he will watch her highlights on YouTube. This is what we're at right wow. now with Caitlin Clark. So the impact she's having on casual fans to bring them in. And then let's say they watch a little bit and they realize, wow, there's some great teams. Like there's more to this than Caitlin Clark, but she can be, the, the the avenue, which I think is great. And then you also have more parity in the game. Like I understood when it was just UConn and it wasn't just UConn, but when UConn was dominating, it's hard to get into that because 
Nobody wants to watch something where they feel like they know the ending. That's why we love sports. We want to see what's going to happen and we don't know what's going to happen. We have that now. And the difference is we've had great players choose to stay home. Asia Wilson, she could have gone to UConn. She stayed in South Carolina. She built um, a powerhouse. Caitlin Clark could have gone to UConn. She stayed at Iowa. You now have Juju Watkins at Southern Cal. Could have gone to UConn. Could have gone to Stanford. Went to Southern Cal. So Liz Kitley goes to Virginia Tech. And then you're seeing this parity build where you have different teams and different superstars you can root for. And UConn is still in the mix. There's still going to be a storyline, but they didn't make the Final Four last year. But you still want UConn involved because they have a great fan base as well. So there's just so many things coming together, and I feel like we have this perfect storm for women's hoops. And I'm hoping that last year's tournament and this year's tournament is grabbing fans to where once Clark does move on, you're still saying, man, I I really want to watch women's basketball. And I I think that's going to happen. Kelly, switching gears, uh, you and uh, Eric McLean do the terrific Graham Lick and McLean podcast. As I mentioned, I've been a guest a few times and I love listening to it. And the off-season conversations you've been having about ACC football, which now includes Stanford and Cal and SMU (laughs) and like just the fascinating world we're in and who the heck knows we're going to wake up tomorrow and Florida State could be out of the league. And it's just, you know, it's it's insane what's going on here. So I want to get your perspective on what you've heard through the offseason. But first, I just want to get your side and your view of the never-ending offseason here in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Fran Brown hits the ground running and just how Syracuse football is is right there in, in the first breath of the conversation you have, not only about the ACC, but nationally at this point. Yeah, it's so great to see, Brent, because, and I know you know this from being on radio for so many years and now doing your podcast, Syracuse fans are passionate. And I do feel like that that fan base is an untapped. Now, they still show up and they've supported Syracuse and and they've had some good years. They did have some good years under Dino Babers with Eric Dungy. And, and they've had some success beating Clemson. Obviously, we know about that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this is a fan base that I think really wants something to cheer for. And we see it on our podcast when we put out like your episode did really well because Syracuse fans are there and they want something to cheer for. So I think that's part of it. This is not a program that doesn't have a fan base like Syracuse does. And then you see the breath of kind of new life with Fran Brown, getting a guy that was at Georgia. So getting a guy that has been around greatness. And then he also is from New Jersey. So he has those ties And then not only the excitement about Fran Brown, but the Kyle McCord situation, which you detail perfectly on our podcast, that's a different level, right? To see a guy who was a starting quarterback for Ohio State say, I want to go play for Fran Brown in Syracuse. That's when you start catching the national attention of people, I think, is with Kyle McCord. And then what maybe nationally people aren't realizing is just the transfer portal impact that Fran Brown is doing and bringing in these guys that are going to impact this season along with Kyle McCord. I think people see Kyle McCord, but then once you start seeing uh, who else he's bringing in, it's really big. And then we just did a schedule show. We're going to release that soon for our podcast, talking about ACC schedules. You and I talked about this, Brent. I think that schedule is manageable. There are some tough pockets. October's weird with road games, but it's definitely a manageable schedule where you could pick up some good wins. So I love the excitement around Syracuse. I think this fan base is really getting behind this program, which is awesome. And I, I think there is – now, I, I think we have to remember it's just year one, and Fran Brown is probably needs some time to build. 
But we're also at a point now where because of the portal, as fans, we feel like we can expect a little more early on, especially for a guy like Fran Brown, who obviously has great connections in the portal. So I think the excitement is um, well warranted, and I'm excited to see it. Last thing for you, Kelly, as noted, uh, you and Eric have been doing these great offseason conversations and in reviews in ACC football. Uh, to quote that great 90s earworm, things that make you go, hmm. Uh, yeah. What has made you go, hmm, in listening to some of these off-season conversations and kind of where ACC football is, is heading in 2024? Yeah, well, just uh, even the fact that we did episodes on SMU and then Stanford and Cal, which, <laughs> hmm, that's, you know, that's always an experience when that happens. But it was interesting, the SMU episode, just talking about kind of an untapped fan base that's SMU. And I'm not sure if they have the massive support right now, like a fan base you can count on. But I think if they start winning, especially with their September is manageable and then they host Florida State, there's a lot of money. And talking about the, the money going into the facilities there, which um, Billy Embody told us on that podcast. And then you have an untapped just Dallas that if there's some some high profile teams coming in, they're going to want to go. So I'm very interested to see about SMU and what's go going on there. We had a good chat with uh, Danny Enriquez of Kane's Insight about Miami and Miami, which, you know, there's offseason hype every year. I get it. And Danny was very realistic. He's not a sunshine pumper, but he was talking about Cam Ward and the impact that he has heard that Cam Ward is already having on that campus. And I think Cam Ward, because because Miami has shored up their trenches, like they have really good offensive line and defensive line. If Cam Ward can be what we think he could be, he could take them to the next level. So I would keep an eye on Miami. And then Virginia Tech is one of those two, that the hype is there. They're returning so much. They're one of the few teams that is not going to have to break in a new quarterback. Their schedule is also somewhat manageable. And that fan base, of course, is just begging for something good. So Virginia Tech, Miami, we've been hearing some really good stuff about them. SMU, just the money is flowing. Uh, can they turn that into something is, is what I'm curious about. But all those that we've had now have episodes up for every team. So go check them out if you're interested. Guys, check it out. Download it. Watch it on YouTube. Uh, Gramlick MacLean podcast. You can see Kelly on the ACC network calling games, of course. So we're, we're getting down to the thick of it here. And I'll let the campaign begin for Coach Jack, Coach <laughs> of the Year. I love it. I love it. Kelly, thank you so much. You're the best. We love having you on. We'll definitely do it again down the road, of course. I love coming on with you guys and uh, really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for hanging with us here today on Syracuse Sports, presented by Krause Health. Thank you, Brent.